I'm back again. I don't know what happened. It was weird. So you can hear me now? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, good, good. Well, let's give it a try. This is Jim English, and welcome to the Who Gives a Shit Files. And this is the Super Dave and Jim show. And I want everybody to know, because we start off the podcast with this, every time that Dave did not give himself the name Super Dave. Okay? So we're not talking to an egotistical guy. But we do dedicate this to Randy Larson, and I think you and I agree that he is not only the top two or three shooters that we know, but the top two or three we've ever seen, and that includes NBA players. For sure, Jim. Unreal. And and the the fantastic thing about him, why he was such an incredible scorer, is that he was 6'5", and he would get in the air, and then all of a sudden his body would square up to the hoop, and he just nailed shots from 15 to 20 feet that was uh, unreal and it was uh it was quite a task when i first uh, played him back in our old uh stomping ground gym at live oak park i i had to try to guard him boy it was an impossible task i had to, i'm six six and i had to get up in his face to try to try to stop him but i could only hold him down but we're so privileged to have known him jim and you being his roommate is he's even more special and i knew him for 50 years and just a special person. And I think it's wonderful. We're, we're dedicating this. I'm sure he's listening somewhere, Jim. I hope you're right. Cause he was a great player, a great human being, a real character <laughs> and had incredible leadership skills. And, you know, there were, I was a pretty good, I pride myself on defense and I could guard most players, but I couldn't guard him. Unguardable. He just was—he was just too tall for me, you know. He'd shoot over me, and you know he—he he was all finesse too. He wasn't power, but he could be—you know—he could rebound when he needed to. Just a great guy and a great player. So, Super Dave, what are you seeing in the NBA? Where should we go? A big week, lots of surprises, and I've got some definite opinions, but I want to hear yours first. Well, I think one of the surprises that comes near and dear to you, Jim, is your uh, Lakers were, were beaten this week for the second time by the Oklahoma City team, and that's pretty remarkable. They had a 26-point lead last week, and they lost that, and a 19-point lead uh, on uh, Thursday, and they ended up losing that game. And what it what I think it shows, uh, other than maybe a few weaknesses of the Lakers, it shows that that some of the teams that everybody was thinking was going to be uh, the dregs of the league, the, the, the doormats like Oklahoma City and uh, the Houston Rockets, I mean, every team has got these, these new young players between 6'4 and 6'8 that are uh, – that, that there's no positions anymore in the NBA, Jim. And, and, and all these teams have got great shooters. They can, they can hike it up from the three-point line and – and they can go to the hoop, and they can run the floor. Uh, it's remarkable, and I think we're seeing more parity in the NBA than I can remember going back to the 50s, Jim. Well, you know, and it's interesting you say that because I'm going to equate this to the kind of to the one and done in college basketball where now you've got situations in college basketball where the Villanovas and Virginias – who get three and four star players that play together for four years. And they're the ones that are winning the tournaments, you know, the NCAA tournament. 
And I'm seeing the same thing. I am seeing some teams step up that are not super teams. I mean, the super teams like the Lakers and Brooklyn are barely over 500. And, you know, like you were saying, the, you know, the Thunder have, by the way, they have two total wins and both of them are against the Lakers. (laughs) Yeah. But I'm seeing this phenomenon in other teams. Like one team that I thought was going to suck this year, absolutely terrible, uh, was the the um, was uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. But they're five and four right now. They have eight players that are scoring between nine and seventeen points a game, and they're all. I mean, none of them are household names. None of them. So. You, you got a situation here where you're right. These younger players in these younger teams are starting to step up. I think it's an interesting analogy you draw with college because uh, there's not going to be the dynasties that uh, we lived through, you know, in the last uh, five decades where, where teams that stay together for three, two, three years can then turn into a powerhouse in college. But now, like you said, uh, the superstars play one year and they're off to the NBA. And we're seeing kids now, and I say kids, they're, hell, they're 20 years old, Jim, 20, 21 years old. And we, you, you and I know that the, the basketball bodies don't mature until the mid-20s. And now they're, they're all kind of maturing at different levels. And they've got these players that are all – uh, you know, there's no positions anymore, Jim. Uh, this, it's between six four and six eight and six nine, and they they all interchange and uh, they can all run the floor. They can all shoot the three. Uh, it's pretty amazing. And that Cleveland team you're talking about is a is a great example. I mean, you're going to be if if people will pay attention. I think that's our goal here, Jim, uh, is to get people a little bit piqued interest in the NBA because there's a lot of teams to follow, and I think. Most people are, are like you and I, Jim, as you take a look at the schedule and you see Oklahoma City or, or Cleveland or uh, Detroit or some of these teams against a, uh, maybe a team you want to see. You think, ah, that's not going to be a good game. Well, they're almost all good games, Jim. They are. They are. I mean, it's, you know, Cleveland has surprised me the most because I thought they were going to be a doormat. But if they were, you know, they would be an eight seed in the East if there were the playoffs right now, and they've got a bunch of players that haven't played together. I mean, Cleveland's a very interesting team. Evan Mobley has really stepped oh, up. Isn't he smooth? Oh, okay. my God. There's a seven-footer that – and that's another thing. The, the, the big men that are around now, they can all handle the ball, Jim. I mean, they, they can handle the ball, shoot outside. Uh, you never saw that before. Yeah, I mean, he's a seven-foot wing. And, you know, he can shoot and pass and dribble. And they have Sexton and, and Garland, who are excellent players. They've got a beast underneath who's, you know, he plays bigger than his 6'10", and that's Jared Allen. And, you know, he's one of the leaders in rebounds. And it's like all of a sudden, Cleveland, who everybody predicted, like I was going through today and I was looking through – you know, the power rankings in the beginning of the year. I mean, they were supposed to be a doormat. Yeah. They're supposed to be one of the worst teams. And they're beating Brooklyn. And they're beating um, Milwaukee. I mean, it's amazing. 
it is, and it, it's it's really fun to watch. And uh, as much as I I love the NBA, I, I by doing this podcast uh, with you, Jim, it's 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 made me more interested than ever uh, in, in the in seeing these teams that before now I hadn't really had much interest in. But I'm trying to trying to learn their names. And one of the real problems <laughs> for old timers like us, we got these hyphenated names, we got these European names. I mean, good guy to keep everything straight. And, and don't we have two Bogdanoviches on different teams? I mean, I guess. Yes. And every, every team has got a green and a Williams. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yes. Uh, Williams and greens. And, and even, like I said, even the, these foreign names are Bogdanovich. How can you get more than one of them that are not related? That's, that's bizarre. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. And, you know, and the team that, you know, I got to tell you, in my power rankings, I have Golden State is not only the number one team, but also I think Steph Curry is the MVP. I mean, he's averaging 27, 7, and 7. And he's shooting, you know, he's almost, he's like in the, in the mid-40s in three-point shots. I mean, the guy's doing an amazing job. And, you know, he's got, he's got Green, by the way, who's the Swiss Army knife who's leading the team in assists, which is surprising. Can you still hear me? Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, so we've got Green, who's leading the team in rebounding and assists, yet Steph is also getting seven rebounds and seven, almost eight assists a game. I mean, this is an amazing team that is filled with disparate pieces, and they're not household names, none of them. And they're playing great. They're six and one. Well, well, that's another thing you bring up with with uh, Dramond Green being a he's a he's a point forward that can distribute the ball just like Jokovic on Denver is a point center. You know that you never saw that before. That these guys that are normally uh, pounders of the ball and underneath and they're out front and out on the wings and they're they're distributing the ball. And another thing, Jim, that I'm noticing is the. Uh, the, the 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 ball movement uh, to, to yeah. find the open shot from three is remarkable. You never saw that uh, in the NBA as, as as heightened as it is at this stage. They're kicking that ball around, and the Golden State team is a perfect example of that. And then to, you have to be able to to stick with Steph Curry. I mean, really stick with him because he can put it up from anywhere. But these other guys, you know, he's got uh, you know a pool and Looney and and some of the got these guys and this who's this foreign guy uh Bajilica? I, I yeah like god what a what a great player he is too and, and and he's got that european style that is a little different than than we have here in the states yeah they're just you know i i, I love the way they play i do too and, and you know i gotta tell you though ever since you know i'm a i'm a southern california boy for the most part spent some time in jersey and ever since the Roseboro at Juan Marshall went after Roseboro with a bat. <laughs> I was watching that live, Jim. <laughs> Me too. And ever since then, I have detested sports teams from the Bay Area. But I may have to make a – I may have to, like, after 50 years, I may have – after 55 years, I may have to, like, make a decision here – and actually root for Golden State because I love Steph Curry. I love the way he passes the ball. 
And, you know, wait till Clay Thompson gets back. Oh, yeah. He's another one that's really a top five shooter of all time. Well, that's good, Jim. We could use this podcast as a little bit of therapy for you. And it is yes. information <laughs> on the NBA. Yeah. And also, too, is I've got to give kudos to Super Dave here who picked who picked um, Miami Heat yeah. as one of the best teams. Now, I said I thought they would take a step back, and for the first eight games, I am wrong because I think they're the best team in the East. Boy, they are. Yeah, uh, even me, I'm, I'm a little shocked that they're still as even as good as they are. But, yeah, I, 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 that's another example of a, of a team that you just – you just tend to overlook, but but the players that they have developing now and getting Lowry on that team is uh, really an addition. And then uh, Butler's lighting it up, and and that Tyler Hero, wow, what a player he is! Whoa, and I, that's the one I didn't think was going to step up, but he did. And you know, I mean, he's getting rebounds and assists, and he's averaging in the twenties. And you know, Jimmy Butler, who by the way is leading the league in steals by a mile, by a mile, is also, I think, an MVP candidate. I mean, he's the one who makes them and so good, and they work so hard on defense, and you can tell his leadership skills are such as they're working hard, and Lowry and him, you know, they have the same, like, junkyard dog perspective when it comes to playing defense, and you can tell how hard they work. I am... I am really impressed, and I think that that the best team in the East so far is Miami, and you picked them. Super <laughs> Dave, you heard it here on the Who Gives a Shit Files. Well, I think Jimmy Butler is an interesting case. He kind of bumped around, you know, a superstar in the making that seemed to to change teams, uh, you know, and you didn't know why. And I didn't realize he was as good defensively until I got a chance to – to, to see him play more in the last couple of years. And you are, you are absolutely right. He is, he is just a, uh, the glue that holds that, that, that team together. And he's the kind of guy that, that doesn't seem like he has an ego uh, when, he's, when it comes down to crunch time in the last minute. He's not exactly forcing up his shot. He'll kick it out if, uh, if he doesn't have it. And, and he's got enough players around him. And I've told you, I just love Spolstra as a coach. He, He's just, I think, what I think of him as the best coach in the NBA. I mean, you could certainly make an argument for it. I mean, he's one with, see, you know, he's one, you know, he's one with a super team, right? He yeah. won with Shaq and um, and Dwayne Wade, and now he's winning with this team. And you know, one reason that Jimmy Butler has has bounced around a little bit. It's because, like Jack Nicholson said, in A Few Good Men, you can't handle the truth. And Carl Anthony Towns could not handle the truth when he called him out and said, you don't work on defense. You don't have a work ethic. So he was gone. And then he went to Philadelphia, and he was telling Ben Simmons the same thing. You know, you don't work on your shot. You're not a hardworking guy. You know, I'm here to win, and, you know, I don't know why you're here. So they got rid of him, and they got rid of him to the, to the perfect team with Spolstra and Pat Riley, and you put Lowry on that team, and Tyler Hero was, what, the 12th pick in the draft? And, you know, he's developed and he's flourishing. Duncan Robinson and the Bammer, 
I love the Bammer. Oh, how yeah. hard he works. Yeah, he is a good boy. He is a hell of a ball player. But you brought up something really important, Jim, is the, is the Pat Riley association with that team. He is he has handcrafted that team, and he and Spolster must have this super relationship because which is which brings me back to what we started off the show with uh, was so fun to work with basketball teams with Randy Larson because we kind of uh, at different times evolve or I have I have uh, initially asked him to play on on my team and I had been recruiting basketball players away from the beaches in the men's leagues and the, uh, uh, and the open leagues. And he, he played in it. And then later on, when my, when my body broke down, I just kind of sat on the bench and had Randy recruit the players for me. And he'd get these great ball players from the South Bay beaches and we'd, we'd have the league, but it takes that association. It was Randy and I working together and it's Spolstra and Riley working together that makes Miami work. And I think there's a dynamic there between the general manager, the, the guy that works at the personnel and the guy that coaches on the floor that is really one of the forerunners of success of NBA teams. Uh, there's no question about it. And the stability between the two helps build a culture. And, you know, that's a culture of accountability. And when your leader, who is Jimmy Butler and now Kyle Lowry, you know, when they make the other players accountable and work like they do, you know, you build a team and, you know, I have to tell you, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they win it all, you know, I mean, health given, you know, everybody's got to stay healthy, but I mean, Butler is just, I mean, he is such an unlikely guy to lead the league in steals, you yeah. know, cause he's not, he's not a fidget blur athlete. He just, you know, he puts in the time in the film room watching for tendencies, you know, he spends a lot of time in that film room looking for defense. How could he be more effective on defense? And the time he spends in Lowry and just that team and everybody gets out there and when they get their minutes, they're out there playing hard. And you know, it's funny because I, I look at their team and I watch them. Who were they playing last week? They were playing Charlotte last week and I was watching them. And, like, Tyro, Tyler Hero made this unbelievable fadeaway at, like, the end of the half, just, you know, a fadeaway shot. And the first person he looked at was Jimmy Butler going, you know, I could read his mind going, Jimmy, are you going to give me kudos for that shot? <laughs> and, and, and Jimmy Butler just nodded at him, turned around, and walked away. Not a big, like, high five. It was like, yeah, you're doing your job, kid. So that's a type of accountability and presence and leadership that Jimmy Butler brings to a pretty talented team. You know, Jim, you have a real a talent for coming up with these descriptive words. And, and early on there, you said culture. And I think that's what we're going to focus on when we, we do this podcast on the NBA is each team, each city kind of has their own culture and, and background about it. And I, and I think people are underestimating these ancillary cities and uh, teams that haven't really been at the upper uh, levels of the NBA that are now going to be uh, competitive and playoff teams. And it, it, we're going to have to uh, focus in on the culture. And, and that brings in the owner that brings in the general manager and the coaches and the players we've just been talking about. I, I think we did a, 
uh, and it was really you you starting this off as a, a good way to analyze different teams and the, the culture is something we'll focus on, Jim. Yeah, you know, you know, on the other side, you know, there's some disappointments. Like the guy who I thought was going to have an unbelievable year was Lillard. And Portland is a mess. I mean, they've got – last I looked, they had two wins – and Dame is doing pretty well in assists. He's got 8.5, but he's shooting in the low 20s in three-point shots, and they simply will not be good if he's not pushing 40% with the, the amount of volume of shots he takes. And I, I don't know if the off-season turmoil or the fact that he wanted to be, um, you know, he wanted to be traded – I'm not sure what is going on there, but they need to do a change. And my suggestion would be to get rid of Dame and start anew and start building, you know, from the ground floor up. Like, you know, Cleveland, who has been, they've been totally unsuccessful with the exception of the LeBron years, you know, and he dragged them to the championship and dragged them to the, to the finals. But now all of a sudden, they've got really good players, and there's a bunch of them. I mean, they're almost like, you know, so you got a bunch of young players that are now five and four that have just started playing together. I mean, let them develop some chemistry. And I kind of like that as a formula going forward for good NBA teams. You know, draft some young players, let them play, take your lumps initially, and let them grow into a team. Well, getting back to your Portland uh, emphasis is, yeah, I, a lot of the pundits I heard early on were talking about that maybe this is it's time to break up that team. And I, I hadn't thought that, of it that way. But, yeah, Damian Lillard is is not shooting. I mean, I was putting them uh, in that class that we were just talking about of great shooters. But all of a sudden, he's uh, he seems like he's – his shots now, even the, the ones that are not way back from the three-point line are being forced. He's not, he's not taking the good shots, and that's what drops your percentage, and that's what teams that, that move the ball around get high-percentage shots, whether they're from beyond the arc or in mid-range. And uh, I do think Portland is, a, is somewhat of a disaster area. And I think that whole Western uh, Conference is going to be uh, – the standings are going to look uh, like they're upside down here as we get closer to, uh, to Christmas. Yeah. And I also got to give super Dave kudos too on a team that's improving. And, um, that, that is the Kings, the Sacramento Kings. You called it. Yeah. That's it. That was my little dark horse team because I expected their defense, which was their big shortcoming last year to improve. And it's hard to, it's hard to really judge defense and to, to scout defense, but I, as I reviewed the team, I saw they were they were picking up some teams that were picking up some players that were defensive things, but but they they've always had the the offense, but now it's with that defense, it's it's really a powerhouse uh, of talent there. Yeah, they're looking really good, and Harrison Barnes is having a great year, and he's rebounding the ball, and you know the biggest disappointment to me in the draft for that team was Marvin Bagley. Cause I thought he was going to be really tough and he's only turned out to be a fair player, maybe even a journeyman. 
And you know what else, too, is it is their defense because De'Aaron Fox is not having a great year. He's having a decent year. But if he can turn it up, I think they're a playoff team. You, you know, know, I mean, you, you, we're reading each other's minds here, Jim, because I, that's what I was going to bring up is De'Aaron Fox is the guy I thought was, would lead their offense. But, it, you know, Barnes and, and even Buddy Heald is, is shooting the lights out. And uh, when, when Fox comes on, uh, that is going to be a team to reckon with. So that's a team we've got to keep our eyes on. And, and that's another thing that I think we're going to do on this podcast, Jim, is is help people focus on teams that they they were sort of discounting. And if they just take a look at these things, I think they'll have a better enjoyment of watching NBA games, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's a, you know, in the next couple of years, there's going to be some emerging of superstars. You know, um, one team that I thought was going to be better was the Hawks. And they're only at like 500, and they're losing to some they're losing to some teams, and Trey Young is not having a great shooting year. Good assist year. His turnovers are down, but he's not doing great. And also, too, is I was expecting John Collins to be a 20%, you know, a 2010 guy. And he's like 16, 17, 18, which is, you know, good. But I thought he would take another step up, especially after making the finals last year. And, um, DeAndre Hunter and Barrett, they're loaded. They're, they have a lot of good players. And Reddish. And Reddish, I'm sorry. Barrett is with uh, the Knicks. And I'm sure you're going to want to talk about the Knicks soon. Oh, yes. Oh, oh I love that Nick team. But- yeah, so it, they're, they're, uh, they're a little bit – they're not doing as well as I thought they were going to do, them being the Hawks. Now, I'm sure you want to get into the Knicks. Super Dave is a – is since he is a true purist basketball fan and a longtime basketball fan, you got to love the Knicks. You got to love the Mecca, Madison well, Square well, Garden. Uh, through my history, Jim, where, where I really grew to love the Knicks was the 1970 New York Knicks team when when they were the first ones that were really the uh, kicking the ball around and and shooting from the perimeter, Bradley and. Frazier and, uh, and and even Willis Reed would go out and shoot outside and the way DeBusher played defense and stuff. So I, I grew to love the, love the Knicks in the uh, 70 and early, uh, early 70s. And, uh, and it's really been sad to have this team fall to such depths for so long. And they haven't even been competitive for, you know, decades now, but to see what, what, and when he drafted R.J. Barrett, I, I knew he was going to be good, but he's really coming into his own. I love Julius Randle when he was with the Lakers, and I was shocked that they traded him. And now he's emerging as a as a great player. And this this Evan Fournier is uh, is a great. And I like these teams that blend the European style with some of the the, the traditional uh, you know American style. And and Fournier just fits in with that team. And Derrick Rose. Uh, Jim, how was he staying as good for this long and still have that that quick move and and he's improved his outside shooting? So it's fun to see him him out there with Kemba Walker, who's had uh, he's also had some da- down years, and the two of them are having a, a renaissance for their careers. And, and of course, like I said, I'm nostalgically thinking back to the old Knicks, and then this this Knicks team, uh, it's really fun to watch them. I'm so 
so happy that it's back and and Madison Square Garden, Jim. And, and for those that don't, like I said, have the perspective I have from going back so far, I mean, it used to really be the mecca of basketball, not just pro basketball, but college basketball in the 50s. And I'm just so pleased that they're doing so well now. Yeah, I am too. And, you know, I mean, because it just makes sense. And one thing that I've been following is because in our first podcast, or maybe it was our second, I get it mixed up. I think it was our second. We talked about Tibbs, Thibodeau, the coach, playing too many minutes. You know, we talked about Barrett and Randall leading the league. They were one and two in minutes played. And he's cut that down a bit. And I think that that's wise. Um, they not only have more players, um, like I see Toppin, Obi Toppin is getting a little better too. And he's really, really athletic. And he's starting to come into his own as a second-year player. So he's not loading up the minutes on his two stars. He's spreading them out. So hopefully they'll be healthy and vigorous during the playoffs instead of you know worn down. That's a good point. That is a very good point. And, and he's such a brilliant defensive coach, uh, Thibodeau, uh, that when you add that little increment to their, their offensive firepower, that's going to be a team to be reckoned with. Yeah, and you know who gives – you know who is like – gritty and tough and who is like typifies Thibodeau is Taj Gibson. You know, he's in there banging the boards, playing defense, gets like a block and a half a game and like eight to nine rebounds as a backup center. You know, he's, he is a tough player. And I think that that really, I mean, there's a toughness to those teams. And that's Tibbs. He's a tough man. I wouldn't want to mess with him. When you talk about Gibson, a 12-year player in the NBA, that's another thing that we haven't uh, touched on that I think when we go over these uh, the better teams, they have a nice blend of some veterans and some youth, uh, some defensive specialists, some offensive specialists. When you get that, instead of the the traditional point guard, off guard, power forward, small forward. Now we're getting a, a, a diversity of, of, of experience and ages and wisdom that is, is a really nice blend uh, to what was formerly different positional things. But I think you have to uh, sprinkle your roster with a combination of those things. Because you know from your basketball experience, Jim, that we learned as we went, didn't we? Uh, we, we you know, I was – uh, you know, when I was 6'6 six, six and, and 170 in college, I could shoot the lights out from outside, but I couldn't, I couldn't help rebounding because I got so pushed around underneath by the big boys. Well, later on, ten, fast forward 10 years later, uh, when I all of a sudden weighed 230 uh, I, and I couldn't jump anymore, I was a better rebounder. <laughs> you were tough to move in and out of there. Yeah, right? I, could, I, would, I would go in there and bang with the big boys then because my body had matured. So uh, it, it, I was a different player, uh, you know, and I wish I wish I could have combined those somehow. But, you know, what What really in the in the 60s when I was coming into my own, Jim, I, I had this fear that the weight room was going to destroy my shot. There was a misconception of, of us young basketball players. And somebody told me that it would ruin my shot. And all I thought about was shooting outside. So I avoided the weight room. It, it would have been a big help, but... Uh, 
I didn't find I didn't find it till too, too much later. Now they spend more time in a weight room than they do on the court. Oh, and it makes a difference. It does. I mean, these... talking to these these kids that are one and done's coming down into the NBA at age 20, 21, 22. Well, you and I know, Jim, that their bodies are going to change over the next three or four years. And when they get that early experience and they have that God-given talent, uh, you're going to see, and you said at the beginning of our show, Jim, there's going to be some superstars emerging that, that nobody knows their names right now, but they're already in the NBA and they might have played one or two season or th even three and haven't really shown it yet. But that's the fascinating thing. And I think what we're going to do in our podcast here, Jim, is to help people appreciate if they'll stick with us on these shows that we're doing, they're going to appreciate NBA basketball more than they ever have by listening to what we're talking about, Jim. Well, we're seeing, you know, we're seeing the evolution away from, from the you know from the super teams which i love i, I really like I, I love, love parody i love parody and you know it's you know it's an interesting team and not necessarily positive is boston celtics and i know you're a traditionalist and you'd like to see them doing well but they're not doing well i oh, mean they're a, they're a mess they are a mess that's a that's a sad sad case i i don't know and and uh, Laker fans like you must must be kind of getting a little chuckle out of it. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, we we, we should, let me talk about the Lakers in a minute. But before we leave Boston, you know, I just don't think Tatum and Brown are that good a fit. Um, they got rid of their coach, and Marcus Smart, you know, he said he goes he said to to Brown and Tatum, you guys aren't passing the ball enough. You guys are ball hogs. And, you know, Marcus, Marcus Smart is a credible veteran, and he's been around a long time, all with the Boston Celtics, I believe. And, you know, for him to say that is really, I think it describes volumes about the culture and the mess that's going on in Boston right now. Well, let me take that to another level. Tell me, Jim, what is the difference between Tatum and Brown? As, as basketball players. <laughs> Can you tell one from the other? No, I can't. I mean, they're, like, they're like twins. I, I know. And, and what Smart said is true. They're, they're, between the two of them, they're averaging four assists. Okay, and they're, they're dominating the ball. You can't have two players that play so uh, alike. Uh, it's, it, and we were just talking about balance and, and diversity of, of ages and experience and uh, and, and positional things. I, I, that's where I think they're, they're they've uh, have a flaw is if they trade one of those and get a different type of player on the other side of the court. But they're they're too much alike, and they and they have uh, they, they don't have enough balance on their team. And I think uh, I, I don't understand how the, that coach uh, that they had uh, 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 that moved up to the the, the uh, general yeah the GM spot yeah yeah. I, I I think he was better on the floor than he is up in the front office. Yeah, they're a mess right now. I mean, it's you're right. I mean, your best players who dominate the ball need to have more assists. They should have between the two of them. They should have ten to twelve assists a game. Yeah, you know they should be and they you know at least assist each other. <laughs> you know, and 
it just it's it's not going well and yeah you know i you know a laker fan and you know the the most my most hated thing in sports even more so than roseboro going after uh, Bob Marshall going right. after Rose. Well, this is this is therapy for you. This can you is. Lay, can you lay down on the couch, Jim, please. Is yeah, I am. I'm laying on a couch. Okay, and, good. And you're you're going to charge me per hour for this therapy? No, no. This is this is this is all gratis. But but it's, the the listeners are going to appreciate it. The, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make you a whole person by the end of this run of the, podcasts. The red Arbok cigar. I used to hate it when he lit up that damn thing because he would in the NBA finals, when they played the Lakers, he would always light it up at four times because that's how many times he needed to win a championship. So, but, you know, being, I'm trying to be a little more of a purist these days. And I like the fact that, you know, if Boston's competitive and the Knicks are competitive to have a rivalry there. uh, But I'm still, I'm still kind of happy that that the that Boston is a mess. You know, if Red Arbach was still alive, I would love it. I would love it, but he's well, passed on. Well, you just identified the legacy of the Celtics, and that's what we started off by saying. It ha- it since that it hasn't worked because he made the the smooth transition from uh, coach to general manager, got Larry Bird. Uh, you know. And uh, I, I think that that legacy now is completely trashed and everything they're doing uh, is, is counter to that culture, which is another thing we've been talking about this podcast, Jim. So uh, that's another way to look at that team. And, and, and back to what Smart said about uh, Tatum and Brown. I, in high school, Jim, I had two guards. Herb Malone was one of the guards and Tim Rohner was the other guard. And Rohner was a great scorer. And I was the second scorer on the team. And I was one of the leading scorers in the South Bay. And I, I don't think my whole career, I got one pass from, from Rohner at all. If I didn't get a pass from Herb Malone from that point, I, I never got the ball. Yeah, I see. That's the thing is that, you know, you got to be unselfish. And I'm going to like, you know, the, the Lakers, I just don't see it with the Lakers. You know, there's huge redundancy. Okay, lay down the couch again, Jim. Go okay, ahead. I'll lay down the couch okay. there. You know, I watched Westbrook, uh, what was it, uh, week before last, and he won a game for us, you know, while LeBron was out, and he lost a game for us. He had a quadruple double. He had points, rebounds, assists, and turnovers. And, you know, he just – he takes dumb shots. He is not that good of a shooter. And, no, he's not. And, you know, it's like there's – so you're – there's, there's uh, you know, 15 seconds in a close game uh, on the clock, and this is one of the games they lost to OKC. And, you know, there's – and he's got the ball at the top of the key. And, you know, you can see the defense is running away from him. You know, running away from him, and, and they leave him to take a, a, a yeah. Shot. He took it. He took a three pointer from the top of the key, and it clanged off the rim at, at a critical point, and they lose, and they lose, and he's going to shoot you in and out of games, and the problem is, is he'll he will, you know, fifty percent of the time he's going to help you win, and fifty percent of the time he's going to help you lose. But 50-50, 
probably won't even make the playoffs in the NBA. And then I, I just, I just don't see it. And you would think the fact that LeBron and Anthony Davis, who's having a great year, I mean, they'd be better than five and four and they're losing to lousy teams. I mean, OKC has got some really good. They're one of those teams that is gelling. It's coming together. They've got some young players. But the Lakers, with all their veterans and depth, they should be they should be beating them, and they're not. So I've got I've got really minimal expectations for the Lakers, and it's also too, as I'm frustrated. Brandon Ingram is an All Star, you know. Julius Randle is an All Star, and Kyle Kuzma is having a hell of a year at Charlotte. So, you know, in KCP, he's not having a great shooting year, but you know he plays defense. I, you know, the, the assets that they've That's given up. Caruso. Yeah. And, yeah, Caruso is in the top four in steals. Yeah. And he's part of that Bulls team that I just love, by the way. I just love the Bulls. Well, before we get to the Bulls, uh, I want to get to our Clippers, but I want to finish up with the Lakers. You know – Westbrook is, a, is a, there's no disputing he's a great player and all the negatives you said about him really don't, don't translate into any, uh, anything really bad about his, his full game. But I just, like I said on our first podcast, Jim, I just don't think he's a fit for the Lakers. He's not a fit for LeBron for sure. Uh, he, he might help Davis somewhat, but he's, he's just not what the Lakers need. And he's, he's just, not going to ever be a, a great shooter. And he's got to know when to take that shot. I've seen him on teams when he's made the right combination. When he drives to the hoop, he's as good as they come. And that's what you want him to do. And when and not only when he drives to the hoop, he doesn't take a bad shot. He'll kick it out for a uh, – for well, that's how he gets his assists. And when he gets to the hoop, he can finish. So if he would just do those things, but he, he mixes in those bad shots, and that's going to be the downfall of – of the Lakers, unfortunately. And then when you think of how great Carmelo Anthony is playing, Jim, I mean, he is shooting over 50% from the three-point line. In fact, he's shooting better from three-point territory than he is in his overall field goal percentage. That's astounding, isn't, isn't it? Isn't that astounding? And, yeah, I just – I mean, the problem – you know, I mean, Westbrook, he will not blend in – like, you know, if he's having a bad game, he just tries to shoot his way out of it. <laughs> Very good point. You know, he, he won't just, you know, I, it, once again, you know, there was a game when LeBron was out where he was dynamite. I mean, he was just everywhere, stealing the ball, dunking, everywhere. And then there's another game where he can't throw a pee in the ocean, but he still try, keeps trying. I mean, it's just he's, you know, he wins you a game and then he loses you a game. And that's just part of the deal. That's not going to work, and 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 in the Western Conference, that that's good. That could be death. I mean, they they could in the Pacific Division. You got Golden State playing great. Uh, you got the Phoenix Sun who are going to be up there. The improved Kings. Uh, it the 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 one that's going to help them could be the Clippers because the Clippers, I'm I'm having trouble with them, uh, Jim. Although uh, Paul George is shooting the lights out. He's playing spectacular basketball. He's playing at both ends of the court. Uh, you know, the, the Reggie Jackson is playing well, and 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 man, and uh, but I I still think they have 
they're going to come up short if they don't put it all together. I would agree. And if, you know, I mean, if you look at the stats and um, if you look at the stats, Paul George is, you know, in he's leading the NBA, I believe, in scoring. Okay. And I believe that he's in the top one or two in steals. And he's doing a really good job on the boards, eight or nine. He's got MVP stats. It's just they're not winning. Yeah, no, he does. And he's, he's absolutely at the top of his game. And uh, th- there was a, you know, a, a point a couple of years ago where it looks like he was going to emerge as a real superstar. Then he seemed to kind of slide back. And, I, uh, and now, I, I, yeah, you're right. He is absolutely at the top of his game. It's a beauty to watch. A, a, a man that tall – with, with the handles that he has, and, and then he can pull up for that three. And, and, and watch his shots go in, Jim. They, they just, I mean, they, they don't touch the rim. They're, they're, he's just pure shooting. And you, you mentioned his defense. Uh, it, it's it, it's going to be interesting to see if uh, Leonard uh, comes back at all during the regular season because that could, that could turn that team. Kennard's a great shooter for uh, – uh, for them, Batoon is playing good. Then they got Bledsoe, which uh, I wasn't sure about that. I'm talking about the fit. Uh, I'm, I'm just looking for him to blend in, unlike Westbrook is, is not blending in with the Lakers. But uh, maybe he will, maybe he won't. But uh, this is a team that could go either direction, Jim. Yeah, it's interesting. It is interesting. And, I, you know, I hate to see it that, you know, Paul George is having a banner year and without question, an all-star what, you know, once again, Steph Curry's team has got one loss and I think the Clippers have four or five losses. And, you know, if, if, I mean, George would be in the NBP if they were, if they were in the playoff hunt. Oh, he's going to be first team all-star. Yeah, he will be, he will, he'll be all NBA first team. Yeah. And it, you know, but he, they're, they're just not good. I just don't see, you know, unfortunately, Kawhi, who is an unbelievable player, is just, you know, he's, he's so quiet and he doesn't communicate and he, he's not compatible to a culture of accountability. Ah, we're back to that culture word again. Yeah. Well, the other thing the about word. <laughs> that, that bothers me, and you're right, every, every part of his game on the floor is flawless. I mean, he is defensively, offensively. Uh, his 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 IQ is is like 180. It, it, it's on the basketball floor, but but this load management thing and and I I don't I don't have a, a an optimistic view of him coming back from an injury like a normal player that would be dying to get on the floor. I think he's gonna wait till he's t- he's totally healthy and then add on another month. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't. I don't see the dedicate. Maybe I'm. I'm misreading that. Maybe I'm. 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 I'm reading more into this than not. But that's the part of his game, or, the, or his culture with the Clipper. You know, they got an owner that's so damn passionate. It's it's absurd, and and he got a player like this. And it's not just the injury, but it's the fact that I don't know if he's uh, he's really in. Uh, uh, invested enough to play every minute of every game that he can. Yeah, he's just so – he's such an odd – he's just an odd guy. He's not malicious or anything. But when you're that good, 
you know, you need to be, I, I, you know, I just think that he's, you know, he needs more leadership capabilities and he also, you just don't know. I mean, nobody knows if he's coming back this year. No, he just doesn't no. communicate. And, 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 we, and we won't know until he steps on the court. It's not yeah. like, it's it, like any other normal player you would kind of have indication that, well, he'll be, he'll be in the game next Tuesday. No, it ain't going to come like that. It's going to all of a sudden, whoa, he's been activated and he, he might play this Saturday. You know, it's 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 really up in the air now, uh, and and it's really a shame because that's the potential of being a great t- team. Uh, but uh, I don't think it is right now. I agree. I agree. And and I told you that you know in the prior podcast I love Chicago and they're doing well, but I have to tell you their strength of schedule so far has been pretty limited. So there's no point in taking bows. I still love them. I find it interesting. Oh, well, you, you, you alerted me to them, and I, I am impressed with the Chicago Bulls. They are, but they, I mean, they played Detroit a couple of times. They're, you know, they played, well, they played Cleveland, but Cleveland's pretty good now. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, they've got, you know, and I find it interesting, too, that DeMar DeRozan is actually their leading scorer now. Oh, yeah. Let, let me draw a comparison to the Celtics we just talked about with Brown and Tatum. Yeah. Levine and DeRozan are a, 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 a wonderful compliment. They are they are superstars, they're, but they're not total ball hogs, and, and they blend well together because Levine can uh, go strong to the hoop or, or, or put it up from way out, and DeRozan's got that mid-range game that is, is great complimentary. And then you add Lonzo Ball playing – uh, at the top of his game now, and and Vucevic uh, is is a, a outstanding center. That's a that's an awesome team, Jim. And you you put me onto them. I I, I wasn't thinking Chicago Bulls uh, until we did this podcast. Caruso playing rabid defense. Yeah, he's among the leader in steals. He's uh, you know he's averaging eight nine points a game, but still, I mean, it's you don't pay him for. For that, and you're right. I mean, because they've got the three-point and the mid-range, which is almost a lost art in the NBA now is, you know, I mean, DeRozan. I'm sorry. Um, uh, yeah, DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan, right? Isn't it? Yeah. He is the best, one of the best mid- mid-range players in the game right now. Oh, I, I, I think Chris Paul uh, uh, and, and Booker and uh... – yeah. DeRozan are the best mid-range shooters in basketball. I would agree. I would absolutely agree. And I am just impressed with the evolution of Ball and, and, and the whole Ball family, as a matter of fact. I mean, you, you got to give that dad some credit, man. He's, he's a strange bird, but, boy, he's put some basketball talent in the NBA, hasn't he? Oh, gosh, yes. I mean, LeVar is just – He's he's a remarkable player. Yes, he, he really and is. Golden State had a chance to get him instead of Wiseman. Whoa, that's scary thought. I know. I, you I, know, he I, would I saw Ball come in, Lonzo Ball come in with that weird shot that he put up, and now he's he's learned to shoot. He's learned. He's always been an unselfish player, but that's a that's a fun team, boy. I'm I'm glad you put him on. And, and Billy Donovan is a is an outstanding coach. So look for the Chicago Bulls to to be right there at the end. Yeah, and with you know Milwaukee is not doing that well. I mean they're just a tick over five hundred. Yeah, they could. 
you know, they're a strange team. They could go either way. I mean, obviously, they, they've got the pedigree that won the the, the championship, and uh, they, they've got one of the great players of uh, of this era. But still, they they have their their holes, and uh, I I think they could they could you know really improve in the, in the uh, as we, as we move into the holidays, or they could go the other direction. I I think Milwaukee is a team that's. Uh, uh, unpredictable. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and do you think they're hungover from the championship? No, I don't. I don't see that. I, yeah, I think that's kind of a a, a cliche in the uh, in the pundit right. world. Uh, not to accuse you of any ever having a cliche. No, no, no. I'm asking the question. But no, I, I really don't think that's the that's the reason. Uh, I don't know how much of a turnover they had, but. Uh, it, it, it's hard, hard when you, you know, it just seems like they have the same pieces that they had last year, but they, they don't seem to be working as well together. I, I can't put my finger on it, but I, ha- I haven't seen enough games. That's a good thing. That's another thing, Jim, that I think what people that listen to our podcast should do. It's a way of you t- tuning in teams to find out certain things about them. And I recommend people when they see the Milwaukee Bucks, Take a look at at them because I, I think we all saw them in the playoffs last year. But let's see what the what the difference is, and maybe our next podcast will will have a report uh, and, and find out what the difference is. But I, I I'm I'm I'm, a, I'm at a loss, Jim, to understand what's missing from that team from the championship uh, record of last year. Yeah, it is odd. Maybe they'll catch fire. You know, I know it, it just. I just can't understand it. And they're just, I just thought they would be a juggernaut. And also, what do you think of Brooklyn and what's going on there? Oh, Brooklyn. Um, that is, that is another uh, strange case. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if, uh, if they know how good they are and the talent and, and maybe they're, maybe they're thinking that they could coast, with what they have, but I, I don't know uh, what their problem is right now, but they're, they're not playing up to their, their capabilities, even though Durant is playing well and, and uh, Harden is not playing bad either. Yeah. It's once again, you know, you have, you added Patty Mills and Aldridge. Oh, Patty Mills is shooting the lights out by the way. Yeah. I just don't, I just don't understand why they're not winning more because they're not playing badly. This is this is this is really it's a fascinating time yeah, in the no, NBA. You, you are so insightful, Jim. I, I seriously, I, I'm not just saying that, uh, you know, pejoratively. I'm 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 saying they they are playing well, but they're they're not they're not winning well. I don't understand it. You're right. They're the I, I don't see anything bad about the way they're playing, but they're not winning as much as we'd expect. Maybe it's the other teams are just giving them their best. That could be it, because Aldrich is playing well for them too, and uh, and Blake Griffin has had a renaissance with his career. Uh, I, I'm impressed with that team, but I'm not impressed with, with their record yet. Yeah, it's so weird that there's some teams that, you know, I mean, so I believe I believe I checked this today that the Washington Wizards have a better record than the. Uh, than the the Brooklyn Nets, which to me is just fascinating. Yeah, I, I mean, that goes into the category. Go figure. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's just it's so odd. Now, 
once again, we're at the embryonic stages of the of the NBA season and things might equal out. But as of right now, there's some real aberrations and some real surprises, which makes it fun. I, I really think what's going to make it fun to people listen to our podcast is that I think it's going to give them reason to tune in uh, with teams that they hadn't really thought much of before, because the way we're sort of given a, a, an overview of these teams, I think is going to help the, the kind of the casual fan, not the fanatic that you and I are, Jim. Yeah, I think it'll, it's also, you know, we're, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to take a lesson from you, Super Dave, and be more of a purist and not let my bias, my implicit bias, which is pretty significant, drive my perspective. But um, so I'm trying no, that's, to be a purist. That's, let me tag on to that, Jim. What, what's, what you just said is, once again, profound. I remember Don Sutton uh, as, a, as a baseball announcer. And the problem I had with Sutton is that, you know, he, he pitched, you know, he won over 300 games, was in the uh, in Major League Baseball for 20 years. And as an announcer, he didn't bring in enough of his personal experiences, his biases, if you will, the insights you can get from somebody. He hardly ever mentioned the Dodgers. It's like he didn't have a career with the Dodgers. He, I can't remember him ever in his announcing and mentioned, you know, when I was with the Dodgers, yada, yada, yada. He just didn't do that. But what you're saying about uh, your your uh, uh, your outlook on the game, I, and and the fact that I bring in my 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 background and my re, my my uh, perspective from the past, I think it's insightful for people that that aren't as old as we are, Jim, or as experienced as we are, to hear you know our perspective. We're not telling people how to think. We're just saying that we have a perspective that goes back. Uh, farther than most people do. Yeah, and I like I like infusing a uh, little history into the podcast too. I like the way you do the Knicks. And by the way, Don Sutton, I remember this had a great line. He said somebody asked Don Sutton, who won three hundred games, how he compared to Sandy Koufax, and he said that if we were both painters, that I would be Earl Scheib. And he would be Rembrandt. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good line. I'm going to have to steal that line. I'm going to steal that one, Jim. You're going to hear me say, utter that at some point in the future. Good. Well, Super Dave, we're up on an hour here. Is there anything you would like to say in summation about the NBA before our next podcast. Well, I, th I think you should get off the couch now, Jim, and I think you're going to be better off for having opened up to us today in the podcast <laughs> and getting some of those prejudices out of your body and those those uh, uh, paranoid thoughts that you go, that creep through on, on your your fandom. And uh, I think in our next show we'll be we'll be better off for the fact that you've you've kind of cleared your mind of of some of the, the things that have been bothering you for so many years. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Super Dave. And this is uh, Jim English at the Who Gives a Shit File with the Jim, the Super Dave and Jim Show. And thank you, everybody, for listening. See ya. Bye. <laughs>